Hey everybody, before we start the show, I want to let you know I've done something very special just for you, and that is if you've been thinking about taking my course on building your band's website, you can do it. You can actually be your own webmaster, and now you can do it for a buck. That's right, I've made a coupon code. If you put in the coupon code LISTENER1, all one word, that's LISTENER and the number one, you can take the class Building Your Band's Website for a buck. Now, I'm only letting a 100 people in at this price. So that's when the 100th coupon comes through, this deal goes away. Check it out at marketingmusician.com. Today on the Marketing Musician Podcast, we're going to get insights from an entertainer that's making about $15 million on tour. We're going to find out how he built up his fan base, and I've got a cool tool in case you're doing any kind of contest on Twitter. It might seem like a lot to make it happen today, but give it all you got, and you just might find your way. Just make the music, and you can choose to tell the world just who you are. You're listening to the Marketing Musician Podcast at marketingmusician.com. All right, hello, marketing friends. It is I, your smiling host, Jammin' Dave Jackson, author of the book, Get Your Band Out of the Basement and Keep Them Out of the Asylum. That is available right over there at marketingmusician.com, along with the course that you can now take for a buck, which is building your band's website. Use the coupon code LISTENER1 to get the course for a dollar. And of course, you can get the book there as well. Speaking of free things, you can get a sample of the book out there about promoting your band with podcasting all out at marketingmusician.com. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, I would love to hear from you. A couple different ways you can do it. You can call in your comments. It's toll free. It's 888-563-3228. Also, if you go out to the website, there's a button right there on the side where you can leave voicemail. If you've got a microphone plugged into the uh, your computer or your iPad or whatever, Click on that bad boy. Let's get your voice on this podcast. You can also send me an email, dave at marketingmusician.com, or just leave a comment out at the blog again, marketingmusician.com. Well, today I'm going to play you some clips from a podcast called WTF with Mark Marin. And you might kind of scratch your head at this because what I'm doing, if you've never heard of this, you can find it at WTF Pod. Mark Marin is a comedian, a veteran comedian who really was down on his luck. He was basically during the, sounds like the 80s and the 90s, he had a really bad coke problem. and was kind of a jerk to everybody to where his manager basically said, you need to get a new line of work. I can't get you any work because everybody hates you. And he started a podcast and has built himself back up out of his garage now. And he's touring and doing comedy. Obviously, he's clean and sober. That helps as always. But uh He's been interviewing other comedians, and I love the show. The show is either really good or really, yeah, depending on the guest. And I've never heard of Kevin Hart. Never, never heard of him. And it turns out he is really one of the top-selling comedians across the country. His earnings have surpassed Eddie Murphy's Raw tour. In fact, it says, according to Essence Magazine, um, well, let me click on this a second. Wait a minute, I just saw a... Sounds like he made 15 million in two days. 
Yeah, the numbers are in. Kevin Hart is perhaps one of the most successful comedians of our time. He earned a reported $15 million in ticket sales in two days from his 90-city Laugh at My Pain comedy tour, breaking Eddie Murphy's record. So this guy is, he's actually in the movie this weekend, uh, How, oh, what's the movie? Um, How Men Think or something like that. That's opening uh, this. But he was on the podcast with Mark Maron. And let me give you a little bit, so you don't have to listen to the whole thing. If you, unless you want to, I'll put a link out to WTF Pod. But at one point, he actually kind of followed the right path, was was making the right moves, and, and he went from playing smaller clubs to bigger clubs and actually got a TV show that went nowhere. He actually then pitched his own show, which actually got greenlit. They did the pilot. They shot a bunch of episodes, and then it got canceled before it even went on the air, I think he said. So it really got kind of uh, mangled by the system. And at that point, people were like, yeah. And, th- and the reason that got canceled is because the president of ABC got fired and the new guy just canceled everything. He was in uh, a movie called Soul Plane that was pirated so much that it did poorly at the box office because months before it came out, people were watching it on the street. So he had a lot of bad breaks and he said, I'm just going to go back to my love of stand-up comedy and uh, so I'm going to play a couple of clips here from this interview, but he talks about, you know, how do you build your audience? How do you build? Everybody always talks about that. How do you build your audience? And are you guys ready for this? This is how you build your audience. One person at a time. You make a connection with that one person. You get to know them. You, you know, if they've come to your show, get their name, make some sort of connection. Fans are are created by making connections with them. And you've already connected with them with your music. Now you can connect on a personal level. But here he talks about, he just went to see what somebody who was being successful was doing, which in this case is Dane Cook, and decided to follow what he did. So here's a clip about that from Kevin. And again, this is from the Mark Marin WTFpod.com podcast. It's called WTF. Stand-up-wise, he played some of the biggest venues ever. And I'll say, how did he do it? How did he get there? Like, I was asking these questions when I was doing the improvs, you know? Yeah. I had a conversation when he told me. And once he told me, it was through emails, through through MySpace at right. the time, through right. Facebook, right. you know, through yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It was branding yourself. So uh, I was doing movies. I didn't have big parts in movies, but I constantly had cameos. Nobody knew I was a comedian. So what I did was I did the comedy club circuit. Four years in a row to a point to where every time I went, I got all the emails. I got everybody's information. By hand. By hand. It was me. I had a guy with me that was my assistant I'm slash Stand there with manager. a clipboard or put the cards out on the As table. everybody walked out that door, he received a, a, a three by five card that we filled and we made ourselves. Kevin Hart needs to know who you are. Right. And people gave me their email addresses and everything. And he got it back from each and every single person. At the end of it, his job was to take that information, put it in a computer, our laptop that we travel with this. Put under it, Cleveland. Cleveland, here's a representation of my fan base in Cleveland. I'm coming back in a year. I hit each and every single one of those people to say, I'm coming back, I'm performing again. So that's old school. That's like pre-Twitter. Now Twitter, it's, you just blast Twitter, out. But you can't get a Twitter audience to, to blast out if you don't have some place to tell oh, I, I get it. From. But I mean- so we talked about that last week, about knowing your audience. I talked about how you can go in and uh, get stats and see where people are coming from, things like that. This is another way of knowing your audience. And he noticed that he talked about putting down the source of that contact, not just taking their name and email, but where did this come from so that you can know 
when you go back to that town, when you go back to that bar, when you go back to that restaurant, club, whatever you're playing, you can let these people know. And that's one of the reasons I like FanBridge. If you go out to uh, marketingmusician.com forward slash FanBridge, it's a great email program. Not only does it let you send emails and text messages along with great stats on who opened and what opened and what was clicked and things like that and a lot of great tools. Again, marketingmusician.com forward slash FanBridge is you can also segment. You can have one big email list, but say only send it to these people. So you can say just send it to the people in Cleveland. Now, if you can't afford something like FanBridge, you can do this on your own. You know, there are other programs that allow you to do this. You can, if you're using AWeber as an email client, you know, you can do this. You can have, when people sign up, put a, a special field there. Where did you find out about us? And then go that route. Now, the other thing I always try to do when you talk about connecting with your fans, find out what their hobbies are and find out what they do. The band that I was in that really had a great community going on, we kind of knew what people did. I, I knew that this guy worked at the factory and I knew that this guy sold cars and I know that this guy was his own. He ran his own business and I know that this guy was really into fishing. And I knew that this guy was really into cars. We all knew they were into music. We already knew that. But the great thing was, is on occasion, you would run into a new person when you got to know them. And they'd say, oh, I say, well, what do you do when you're not listening to music? Oh, you know, I'm really into cars. Well, oh, and then uh, what kind of car you got? And they'd say, well, I've got a, I just restored a, you know, Ford Mustang. It's a 65 candy apple road. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then I'd see the guy that's really into cars. And I say, hey, come here, come here, come here. Check this out. I said, you guys might want to. Uh, talk some shop here and I would introduce him. This is Steve. And I, again, helps to know your fans names. I said, this is Don, Don, what's going on? Hey, this guy has the car of my dreams. It's a, a 65 Mustang, blah, blah, blah. And then they'd start, Oh, well, really? I got an old Camaro, blah, blah. And they just started talking. Now what I've done is yes, I'm glad they came to see me, but now they're, they're building, you're building that community around each other. So it's not in some cases. Yes, it's great to know their name where they're from and their email address. But if you actually get to know your people, you can then build a community around you and they're going to love the fact that, wow, you introduced me to this other person who likes cars like I do. Oh, they're really into cooking or they're really into gardening or whatever it is. And you start to make people that have connected to you, you're not connecting to other people, enriching their lives and giving them friends. And then what do friends do on Friday and Saturday night? That's right. They go listen to their favorite band. Now, in this next clip from Kevin, listen to him talk about the business end. And I want to point this out that he talks about in the the beginning, he played everywhere. Some people, they're basically, there were crummy clubs that paid some money and better clubs that made you basically play for, for nothing. You got to say, oh, I played this club and it was prestigious. And so consequently, a lot of people wouldn't play these nicer clubs with bigger people because they weren't making any money. And I understand, believe me, I know, playing for free is not fun, but he explains how he played both because people were kind of doing either or, and he played both. And that's the thing to me that always kind of scratches my head. I understand nobody likes, I don't like playing for free, depending on where the scenario is. Um, I've played for free because, and the reason I did is, is I like making music and it gave me a chance to, uh, to grow my fan base and it wasn't far from my house. And I, you know, it it wasn't that big of a deal. And for us, it was, it was a chance to practice in front of people, but don't get hung up on, I'm not going to play this because this place is beneath me. He understood that number one, it was a great way to build your fan audience. Number two, he talks about how it was 
a way to build up his chops. And if you think about your band when you first start out and you think about your band two years later, you're used to playing with each other now. You know how to play off of each other. You've got your hand cues down and you've just much better at getting in the groove, for lack of a better phrase, and putting on a good show. And so in this case, he talks about the business sense of going in and playing these clubs where he knew that, you know what? Yeah, I'm not getting paid what I should get paid, but uh, here is his attitude on that. Reps, I need to build on my, 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 my fan base. I need to work on myself. It's not about acting. If something comes along, great. If it doesn't, I don't care. It's about comedy. And, dude, I just started to focus on stand-up. And I vowed to never turn my back on stand-up comedy again. I made that promise to myself. That's all you got to fall back on, I don't care how big things get. I don't care. Like right now, movies are crazy. Television is crazy. Just everybody's throwing the world at me. I refuse to compromise stand-up. You have to work around my stand-up schedule. I control it, and these people are my fans. These people are who really, genuinely support So when's me. the big break? How'd that happen? So you're out there, you're doing, what, $1,500, $2,000 a week at the improv? I'm not even that. I'm getting, I'm, honestly, Mark, I was getting about 900 to $1,200 at the improv for the weekend. But I'm doing Wednesday through Sunday. Okay, like literally, my, my... Didn't you take that as some sort of, even though you were where you were at, didn't you feel that that was disrespectful? Yes, Yes, I mean, you know you're being overworked and you know you're not being compensated for what they're asking you to do. And you're doing 30 Were you able to tell them to fuck off? Not at all. Okay. You can't. There's nothing you can do about it. No, you but can I do mean now. It. You go back in the improv well, here's now? The thing. Now, you know, I, I'm a person that takes, I find a positive in everything. Like, you know what? I took my rapings for years. Now, let me be a businessman for a second. If I'm the improv comedy clubs and I'm giving this guy that's not going to sell tickets a chance to work in my club, you know what? I'm going to pay you this because you need me. And you needing me, I'm going to make my money off of you. I'm going to make my money off of food and drinks to support my business. I'm going to paper the room. I'm going to give these tickets away to get people in here that are going to buy food and drinks. You're not bringing people in here, but I'm giving you a stage. You right. need my stage, right. which I do. As a businessman, I get your way of thinking now as a comedian you got to put your business hat on they're bringing the room in here for free they're papering this is from their email list these are their these are their clients on a weekly basis so you think i can get new people i'm going to steal their people back okay so i'm not getting paid but these people become a check for me at some point in time in my life if i do what i'm supposed to do so that's what I did. That's a very mature way to look at it. I'm, I'm a smart dude. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, you put a book in front of me and tell you to read it and then tell you to read, tell me to read back to you what I just read. <laughs> I'm going to have a difficult time. But when it comes to business sense and, and working the dollar and understanding how to grow as a businessman, I'm a fucking genius. But dude. you could have gotten bitter. I mean, there, there's no reason you telling me this story. And, you know, I felt the same way about Bill. And I've seen guys go up and do what could be what you threw, uh-huh. went through and they don't come back. I love that clip. And you can also hear the the dedication he has to his fans because he's talking about now he's how he kind of got he started off as a comedian. He went into movies, went into TV and he's saying, nope, I'm sticking here. I have a connection with these people. These people are paying the bills are paying the bills well. So now he says, look, I'm dedicated to my audience and I will not stray from what I'm doing. If you want me in your movie, if you want me in a TV, that's fine. But you got to work around my schedule. And because he's dedicated to his fans, his fans are now dedicated to him. And our last clip here is uh, just a great clip of him. Just listen to his great attitude in this. Check this out. Uh, I had a conversation with my agent. What's the makeup of the audience? Uh, at this point, I was about 
black to white. So now my crossover is getting bigger. I said, fine, I want to do a test theater. You don't make two lists, though, do you? No, 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 not two lists. I don't have, I don't have a divided blacks. No, it's, it's all the same. So, uh, we, we, we go, we say, you know what, let's give a test out to do theaters. I think the city was like Kansas City. Mm -hmm. We did three shows in a 1200 seater. I was like, I think I'm now ready to do theaters. Right. Seriously Funny was out. It aired, debuted. I started doing theaters. Dude, we're adding three shows, two shows. We go out to 5,000 seaters. I'm selling out. We're adding shows. Now, aren't you happy, though? Like, the one thing I noticed, you know, and I'm, I'm in a much different level, but in the sense of uh, that whatever happens, the one thing I know that when I did the Wilbur, is that when I'm about to go on stage for that many people, I think you know, even five years ago, I would be backstage going, fuck. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I got the juice for this. Uh -huh. But I don't even think twice about it anymore. No, not at so, all. like, I mean, I think that it's interesting that it all synced up for you because you don't have any fear about that. Uh -huh. You know who you are and you got the shit. But I think that if this would have happened when you got those other opportunities that didn't pan There's out. There's no way I would have been ready for it. You, you would have been fucked There's up. There's no way I would have been ready for it. That's why I think that's why, you know, when you talk to me, you see my, my mental approach to things. Yeah. You're like, wow, you're not bitter. You're not this. I, I find a positive in anything negative that happens. Because I know it happened for a reason. So you got two choices to make. You You're a religious man? Uh, you know, I'm not over-religious. I believe in God, but yeah. I'm not the guy that's in church every Sunday. or Right. That's, but you that's believe out. enough to think that it I happens for a reason. I believe enough to reason. think that it happens for a reason. I yeah. believe in a higher being. I definitely right. do. Uh, and for me, it's I refuse to treat people like shit because I see that things come full circle. That's so for sure. Even, even with the Don't improvs, yell at that assistant. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. Even with the improvs. You know, I got to a point where the improvs, yeah, I knew that I wasn't getting paid when I should, but I never got mad at them. And now when I go back, I do the improv comedy clubs, and when I work on my sets, I'll go Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll take a door deal where I get 95 to 100% of the door. Just to work out shit. And I'm going there to work out. And they, they, they have to do it because they want my business. But at the same time, I'm not going there like I'm the big bad wolf. I'm going there because this this is conducive and convenient for my schedule. When you do that, do you tell the audience you're working out shit? Uh, no, because they can't tell. You know, yeah. I make sure it's still a show. I don't, I don't go in that element until I've been in New York. Like I went to New York for about five months, just going back and forth, just to get a template of what I want my doing fifteen minute sets. Yeah, just to get it, build it up to where I have yeah. an hour, yeah. where it's not a strong hour, but there's a template, and I yeah. have jokes with right, it. Right, But I need to tighten them up and figure out things. Right. So once I have that template, then I'm comfortable enough to go to a comedy club because. Regardless, I would never take advantage of my following by taking your money for tickets and giving you a half-ass show. Right. I go to New York to do that where the rooms are set up for that. Yeah, atmosphere. it's just a showcase show. And exactly. You know, oh, Kevin Hart's here. I didn't exactly. know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I would do. So I don't I don't take advantage and do that. I would never do that. It's still a show. It's still a good show. But it's a preparation for what becomes my arenas and what becomes my next special that's going to end. So there you see another key point in that phrase that I should have pointed out is the fact that he talks about how at one point in his career, he had a manager that was putting him into theaters, you know, places that held a thousand people and he'd bring in 300 people and it looked ridiculous. And he was making theater owners upset because they were losing their shirt and things like that. And so there is something to be said about, you know, paying your dues and working on your chops and getting things right and having your audience come with you and building it up so that when you do move to these venues, he talks about there. He did a couple tests to see, you know, can I sell out a theater? Because I don't want to make people mad. Because he said, you know, the things that go around come around. And that's why you should always treat people, even crummy, crappy club owners, you know, treat them the way you want to be treated. Yeah, they're jerks. Yeah, they're horrible people, whatever. 
don't lower yourself to their standards. It really, in the end, it isn't worth it. And if nothing else, that way you can always say, you know, no matter what happened to me, I acted in a professional manner. So there's some tips there about that, about, you know, how did he grow the audience? Let's think about that. Number one, I love the fact this is, this is a guy that said he was offered to play an arena and instead took a smaller club and just played it nine times. So he wants that intimacy. He want, he's looking for that connection with his audience. So as much as we all love playing, you know, big outdoor festivals with tons of people, I've played those and yeah, you can see people, but it, it isn't that intimate setting. It isn't. I mean, you can see the people in the front row and, you, and, and at a certain point you just see faces or whatever. And, uh, but when you're in a club, one of my favorite places to play really to this date, and I've talked about it before, I played a little restaurant in Hudson, Ohio that maybe fit maybe 50 people, but those people loved us. They had a great time. We got free food. The people that came there bought tons of merch because the, the actual place didn't play as much, but pay as much. But the actual people that came always bought, you know, I, 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 give me another T-shirt. I know I've already got three. Give me another one. And so and and we on our breaks would go around and we would end up talking to just about everybody in the bar and we made connections with people. And those were then the 50 people that followed us around to the other clubs that then led to more and more people and you create that community and things like that. So don't get worried about playing small clubs. Realize that sometimes paying your dues and and paying for less money than you should, you know, look at that again as an opportunity to build your fan base. Like he said, he went back into these clubs that he knew they weren't paying him enough. He's like, that's right. I'm going to take your audience. The audience that's built in here. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to be so good that, these people are going to follow me other places. I love that attitude. And he, he wasn't nasty to these people that didn't treat him so good when he was trying to come back. He's always been professional. And now the guy's making $15 million in two days. But again, how did he do this? He used social media to connect to people. And he's all about making a connection, having dedication to his fans, to his craft, bringing the best show he can. You've, you've heard him talk about how he's working on shows. And just it's it's that's how you run. That's why it's called the music business. That man sees this as a business. He loves what he's doing. Yeah, it's his job, but he loves what he's doing. He loves entertaining people, loves making people laugh. And uh, but it takes work and it takes dedication. And uh, it's definitely paying off for a guy I've never heard of named Kevin Hart. Are you the person in charge of your website? Then come check out the Weekly Web Tools podcast at weeklywebtools.com. Each week, we spotlight and review tools, we discuss strategies on web design and promotion, we talk a little SEO, all with the intent of enhancing your website. The Weekly Web Tools Podcast. It's the podcast for the do-it-yourself webmaster. Check it out at weeklywebtools.com. All right, next up, we want to talk about a free website. It's at tweetaways.com. And what this is, if you're doing any kind of contest or something like that, and you're trying to grow your Twitter followers, things of that nature, what you basically do is you have to follow uh, Tweetaways on Twitter. So you visit their homepage, you you follow them, then you enter your Twitter username, and um, you basically, they give you this Tweetaways kind of key and a, a qualifying tweet phrase. Basically, you get set up. That's how you set up your account. And uh, what happens is 
Behind the scenes, their web app will magically select a random winner from all the tweets in your Twitter stream that match your phrase and contain your username. So you could say something like, I know Bob Harper, the guy from The Biggest Loser, just did this thing where you had to say something like, I can't wait for Bob's new book to come out in May. Well, they can look for that phrase in the Twitch stream and then randomly select somebody for you. So it's pretty cool. And if you want to select more than one winner, they will do that. And um, if you want to know, for the geeks out there, they use Ruby on Rails built-in random number generator and uh, to pick the tweet. Now, there's actually, it's free. There is a service, if you want to, let me go back to their homepage here, where this is the, the free version. You use this method after your contest is ended. The premium version, it's $3.50, that's U.S., per draw, uh, and or you can announce your contest now and pick a winner later. And with the premium, what it does is it adds the following features. There's, uh, you have private winner notifications, you can run longer contests, and you can view the contest entries via a contest management dashboard. So it's a little more uh, robust. and. let me see what else it says here. Yeah, Tweetaways will send a direct message with a special URL to a contest dashboard that you can use to keep track of each tweet that has the qualifying phrase. It's the phrase that pays, everybody. Uh, and at your username. So that's how you do this. After your contest is over, simply visit the contest dashboard area to draw a winner. If you use this option, you don't need to use the Tweetaway free option. Um, and again, it's uh, three dollars and fifty cents per drawing. I don't know if that if a drawing has multiple winners, if it's three fifty per person. Not sure how that works, but it sounds pretty interesting. And you could say something, you know, again, putting this to music. Your phrase could be, "I'm listening to the new song," or "I'm, I'm listening to uh, the new song from Sarkud, anticipating the new album." Right? And I uh, say that because we'll be talking about that next. Yeah, this is a message from Ali at sarcoo.com. Now, if you want to check out their website, it's S-A-R-C-O-O-D.com. And Ali did that using skills learned at the Be Your Own, you know, Build Your Own Bad website. And um, the great thing about that, you can take the class now for a buck, and then you need, obviously, a web host for that, and you can get web hosting for about $7 a month. So for less than 10 bucks, you can start running your own band's website. Check it out again, marketingmusician.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER and the number one. But Ali wrote in and said, hey, I really like the podcast about move to where the food is and knowing your audience. She said, I've had some trouble figuring out what kind of people would like our band as we have a lot of different influences. We We haven't recorded the album yet. We're still working on it. So I've still got time to figure that out. But I think when in doubt, just note down the main bands that inspire you to do what you are doing and start with that because your potential fans probably have tastes similar to you. And this is something I actually do a podcast about podcasting at the schoolpodcasting.com and I explain to them a lot of times your audience is basically a mirror of you. That's how I view this podcast. I mean, I'm a guy, I'm a lead guitar player in a band and uh I'm talking to basically all the other indie music people out there that are just trying to get their music out there. So I assume that if we ever meet we can just hang out. 
and, and, you know, jam or whatever, you know, you, you are a mirror of me and I talk to you like you're me. And when what I like and what I find interesting, I hope interests you because if it is, then you're probably just like me again. So Allie continues. She says, you know, what would be great if there was a website where bands could post up their songs and people can suggest descriptions of bands, music, and then people vote for their best description. That would help me. And uh, one other thing I want to point out, Allie had asked, do I have a Facebook page for the Marketing Musician podcast? And I actually had one at one point for the Musician's Cooler, which was the, he said, moving his chair, previous inception of the uh, podcast. And uh, I don't, well, I have one. I just, here's the problem with Facebook. I use it really to connect with my family. Um, I don't really use it so much on a business point. And I'm not a fan of doing something and this isn't being a perfectionist. I'm not a fan of doing something if you're not going to do it right. And especially with something with communication. I mean, I can set one up. If you go to uh, marketingmusician.com forward slash Facebook, you know, I'll, I'll transfer the uh, old one onto that. But here's what I'm worried about. If you ask me a question there and I don't respond for another four days because I check it about once or twice a week. I don't want people to look at that. And say, well, this guy asked a question two days ago and nobody's replied. This is a ghost town and whoever's running this is uh, doesn't care about his fans, doesn't care about his community, doesn't care about his friends. So I'm always worried about if I'm going to do something, I want to do it right. And that would be like saying I I have an email, but I never check it. Well, I I give out my email address because I check that every day. I check that multiple times a day. I do email right. It's not that I'm not a fan of Facebook. I just would rather give you the channel that I check. Now, on the other hand, I've always said, give your material in the format that people want to digest it in. So, and I've also said, move to where the food is. And there's a lot of food at Facebook. So I can't continue to uh, operate in that fashion. So yeah, I'll I'll set that up. Uh, Marketingmusician.com forward slash Facebook will take you right over there. I don't think I even have the 25 fans to have my personalized. page. So, uh, Allie, I will do that. And, uh, I'll have a link to that out of the website as well. Speaking of links to the website, if you go out to marketingmusician.com, we have some links on the front page. And I always want to point that out. If you're looking for a way to support the show, uh, this is an easy way to do it. I- I've got links here to things like, uh, musician's friend. I've got links to, uh, amazon.com. And a way for you, and I've also got a link to our podcast in iTunes. And one of the ways that you can help support the show, uh, in addition to doing things like buying my book, taking the course again, uh, those are ways to support the show. But if you could also, A, tell your friends about it, if you enjoy the show. If if there are things you want me to talk about on the show, it is our podcast. I do that. But on the front page of marketingmusician.com, I've got a link there to Musician's Friend. I'll put a link there to Amazon.com. And if you're going to be buying anything at those two places, uh, please let me know. You can also probably go to supportthisshow.com. I have links over there as well. And uh, anything you buy through those links, so I'm not asking you to buy something in addition. This is money you're going to spend anyway. If you go through those links, uh, again, just let's do that. Just go to supportthisshow.com because I'll have a ton of links over there. Or I'll have some again at marketingmusician.com. It's just a way to help support the show. And if everybody does that, it does help. So would love to... uh, hear any feedback you have again anything you want on the show if you've got any new gear i've always wanted to hear about gear 
Anything you new guitar, new amp, new keyboard, whatever. Give us a quick review. Let us hear about it. Always be sure to plug your website. Always appreciate that. And again, you can email me, Dave, at uh, marketingmusician.com. You can call in your comments, 888-563-3228. You can uh, click on the Send Voicemail button out of the website. You can do that. Or you can leave a comment out at our website, which again is marketingmusician.com. And let me leave you with this little uh, blurb I always do, and it is so true, and that is, you know, if you have money, you can go to therapy. I'm not always sure how helpful that is, but I do know this, that when I hear the right song come on and I'm in a bad mood, it, it instantly makes me feel better. So for those of us that don't have money, we need therapy because we're all a little crazy, right? Well, thankfully, there is music. Hallelujah. Stay cool, everybody. We'll see you again in two weeks with another episode of the Marketing Musician Podcast. Whoa! Whoa!